where nobody knows your name is not filmed in front of a live studio audience. We're back with season seven. <laughs> That's one way to begin, James. <laughs> Blow some eardrums, you know. <laughs> dancing on ice, Strictly Come Dancing. That's what it's from, isn't it? Yeah, one of those shows. Probably both of them. <laughs> Dancing yeah. with the Stars, you should say, for our American listeners. Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, the British version. Guy, whenever he gives the number seven, he loves to shout it. Do you know what? That is, that's not how I thought we were going to kick off season seven, but I'm glad we did. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it was the only way to kick off season seven. <laughs> <laughs> well, this, this episode, we're kicking off with how to recede in business, which was a delightful episode, a weirdish episode, a solid seven. I can't do it. I did it more aggressive. <laughs> seven! <laughs> Mine was much sharper. Yeah, it aired on the 27th of October 1988. That's enough of that. It was directed by James Burroughs and written by David Angel. It is a good one. I think it was a good season opener. And what an episode, James. We're safe hands with the, the writer. He's a long time. He's done a few episodes now. Uh, and of course, James Burroughs has directed uh, a couple of episodes of Chess. Yeah, I think he's reliable now. You know, seventh, seventh season, I think he knows what he's doing. Should we kick off with the cold open, James? Because I think it's an interesting cold open. Yeah, Sam's still trying to seduce Rebecca because that's what he does. Character trait. It seems like a bit of time's passed from last season's finale, Backseat Becky, up front. And Sam feels like Rebecca's probably at a point where she's able to move on from Evan Drake, the corporate seniority mastermind behind last season. Well, it's interesting you say it's been a while because the pilot of this was actually pushed back a little due to the writer's strike. So if we look at the first season of Cheers, that started in uh, late September. Season seven started late October. So it was pushed back by about a month, the premiere date. Uh, Despite that time, Rebecca doesn't seem keen or uh, really doesn't seem like she's moved on much when Sam tries to ask her. But before we see that, Sam has a bit of back and forth with everyone in the bar. Uh, He says, today some certain chestnut brown haired beauties is going to succumb to his charms. I don't believe him. Well, neither does Cliff. Cliff says, not on a devout nun's prayer. Not heard that saying before. No, but I like it. I know. I'm not sure what it means. As you know what a nun is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the more devout they are, obviously, the more their prayers would come true, because God's like, you know what, I like you. You you pray for this? Yeah, I'll get it done. You're all right, Mary, go on. And from that poetic line from Cliff, we're into the main episode, seamlessly. Yeah, the cold open this time is very much an extension of the rest of the episodes. Wow, the nuns haven't been praying for Sam, because he seems to strike out initially. Yeah, is, oh, was that a baseball? Metaphor I heard there, John. Season seven with an unknowing baseball reference. I love the puns, especially when I don't know I'm doing them. (laughs) (laughs) So Rebecca, although quite a bit of time has passed, she's not really interested in Sam. And they have that sort of back and forth where Rebecca says she doesn't want to spoil the friendship that they've built. But also it becomes a little bit evident that she's not particularly over Evan at this point either. Man, you're all alike. Nothing but users and takers and big stupid jerks who don't even know you exist and then go running off to Japan with someone else. (laughs) 
That is such a cliche. It's quite a quote, but it also sums up last season pretty well. You know, everyone now, if you hadn't watched Cheers the last six seasons, you now pretty much know what Rebecca's been through in the last season. After this long period of time and the fact that Rebecca isn't, clearly isn't over Evan Drake, Sam suggests as her friend, she should take a punt on this Malone guy. He's very pestering throughout this whole conversation and he doesn't drop it. What we do learn in this is that he wants to ask her for a date, but she's perusing through a Mercedes catalogue. Yeah, looking to upgrade the car, but also has sort of expensive tastes. Not hugely expensive, the cheapest Mercedes possible, I think, but almost like a status kind of symbol to own a Mercedes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Along with this aspiration that Rebecca has of owning a Mercedes, she also has her sights set on a new role higher up in the corporation. Because with Evan leaving, he's also taken a lot of people with him, which she says are all the people who know that she wasn't particularly good and she feels like she's got a shot with the new boss to actually progress in the company. I see your game, Becky. You're not taking a backseat to anyone. (laughs) Yeah. I see what you're up to, climbing up the corporate ladder. And I suppose it, in line with this kind of uh, essence of, I was going to say, new season, new me, she decides that she'll give Sam a punt, essentially. He, he wears her down, which is not particularly good. It's not a good look. <laughs> How did your first date go? Well, he kept asking me and kept asking me, and eventually I got too tired to say no. Yeah, not a good way to start a courtship. Not great, but she does give the caveat of don't tell anyone about it and almost like a sort of saloon door. He goes out, hears a big cheer and then comes back into the office and say they had a lucky guess kind of thing. So he's told everyone in the bar. Yeah, no secrets are not Sam's bag, but he does show up a little later with a suit and flowers and chocolates. I know, he's ready for he's ready for a date. Uh, Norm reminisces about his first date with Vera. Ah. Yeah, and how uh, she bought him all of those things. He obviously gobbled up the chocolates. Mm, (laughs) But as Sam goes to pick up Rebecca for their date and they're about to leave the bar, Rebecca notices none other than Mr. Stone. I felt like we should have some dramatic music there. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Stone is, uh, of course, the the new boss who owns Cheers and has taken over from Evan Drake. He's a man of sort of, uh, I wouldn't say mystery mystery. No, I think it, I think... Evan Drake was very much a mysterious, elusive figure. This uh, Greg Stone guy, he's very open about his opinions, isn't he? He's sort of, he talks very on the nose, you know, very matter of fact. Doesn't portray, not not to say that his character wasn't particularly likeable in the way that Evan Drake was at first. Yes, I don't think this Stone character is particularly charismatic either. He's no Tom Skerritt, I'll give you that. But despite this, Rebecca averts to a similar kind of way she was with Evan Drake, where she is kind of falling over backwards for him and begins to flirt a bit with him in a sort of over-the-top, nervous is the word, I'd say, nervous way. Whether she does that because she genuinely feels some attraction or whether she does that because she associates the corporate ladder with success and through that she has some uh, attraction. That's yet to be decided. But she's definitely flirting with him. She definitely wants something with him, but he wants to use the phone. And that's what he does. (laughs) Who are you? Rebecca Howe. I'm the manager. Ah, of course. 
I'd like to use your phone, if I may. You can do anything you want with my phone. Thank you. For the moment, I thought I'd just speak into it. <laughs> Good choice. I don't know why she said that, John. It's a weird thing to say. <laughs> like one time in high school, this girl, like she, you know, she'd obviously lived in the same town in, in high school. She, she walked past and, how are you? And... I was distracted, you know, because I thought she was quite attractive. So I thought she said, what are you up to? And I responded, not much to, to the question, <laughs> <laughs> to the question, how are you? Uh, so <laughs> I feel like that's endearing. That's, you know, <laughs> how are you? Not, not much. <laughs> Smooth. <laughs> well, I, I think that, that, that explains the kind of feeling that maybe Rebecca had at this point where she uh, perhaps wasn't thinking particularly clearly. When she said anything. But when Mr. Stone comes out of the office, he says that he wants to talk to her first thing in the morning and she presses him to find out uh, what he wanted to say before she goes on a date with Sam. I demand to know, Stone. You can't handle the truth, Rebecca. I mean, and she she couldn't, to be fair. It wasn't good news. This uh, quarter has shown a slight improvement. Did you hear that, everybody? A slight improvement. Yeah, but the records show unequivocally that the bar did better under Sam's direction than yours. In view of this, I'm hereby appointing Sam the new manager. And I regret to say I'm forced to give you notice. I'm sorry. Okay, boys, dessert. <laughs> Mr. Stone feels a little peckish, so he goes off to Melville's to get some, uh, some seafood there. Mm-hmm. Leaving Rebecca... And Sam in a pretty bad position when they are about to go on a date because Sam has basically just been offered Rebecca's job and Rebecca's been fired. Yes. Now, before we discuss how this goes, Cliff is suspiciously absent for much of the rest of the episode because Carla managed to trick him. Can we talk about that? I thought it was genius. Yeah, there's not much to say, really, because... She gets rid of him pretty quickly. Basically, Cliff comes up with a little, uh, another little-known fact. And Carla goes, wow, you should write a book of these facts. And Cliff goes, well, you know, Carla, I have thought about it. She goes, no, no, right now. <laughs> Look, here, here's pen and paper. Go to the pool room and don't come back until you've written 60,000 words. Do you, yeah. do you want to know how many pages that is? How many pages is it? Between 200 and 250. Gee, she, she got rid of him good. Well played, Carla, well played. <laughs> That'll keep him busy for a bit. I, I hope that it, it might be recurring through the season. A bit more like uh, his Florida trip, how that came back and forth. I want to hear about Cliff's novel now it's coming along. Well, you think it's going to be like a Brian and Family Guy. <laughs> oh, that novel you've been writing, does it have a good beginning, middle and an end? Oh, I hope it goes well. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that could be Cliff's story through this season, you know. Always coming back and forth with new notes. I feel like that would wind Carla up even more. I've been sending my novel to my editor. He thinks that it's coming. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think Carla will, will burn him. Well, speaking of Carla, she has a lovely quote about Sam being reinstated as the manager of the bar. Having you back in charge really reminds me of old times, you know? I mean, real old times. Even before the evil days when darkness fell over the earth. She means when Diane was still here. I know precisely what she means. <laughs> what I love about the exchange between Fraser and Norm there is it feels like Norm was trying to impress Fraser. <laughs> <laughs> and Fraser didn't care. 
Oh, I, th- I think Fraser was. It wasn't that he didn't care. I think he just he's he's heard enough about Diane by this point. Who? <laughs> <laughs> I think every time he hears her name, he gets a sort of psychological ice ice pick to the sort of brain, almost like a Vietnam flashback type deal. They're being stood up. This news of Rebecca losing her job does send her into a bit of a, a downward spiral. And the next day she arrives at Cheers, not looking uh, her best, I'd say. Yeah, no, she almost had the same kind of thing as when Sam went off the wagon. Yeah, that's a good parallel. She's lost something which meant a lot to her. I mean, I think she says it herself in the episode that it's pretty much rock bottom for her. Yes, I'd agree. What's the girl to do though, John? Well, I tell you what, it did bring out one of my highlights of this episode, which is Rebecca's hair is a bit all over the place, to which Al says, love your hairdo. Didn't fire back. She didn't really have a response. Uh, no. But it was kind of the it was the elephant in the room. Woody had sidestepped around it very delicately for Woody. But Al, you know, no nonsense, Al. Blunt to the point, called out. Do you think Al's like the janitor in Scrubs? in that he's almost like a figment of a collective imagination. Or always a ghost. (laughs) He's just an eccentric, quirky man who runs around and points out how people have bad hair and tries (laughs) to kiss women when they're stuck stuck under the floorboards. Not not just women, tries to kiss someone who's uh, choking. Tried to kiss Sam when he was choking. Oh, that's true. Yeah, he's a a character, isn't he? (laughs) He sure is. But after that exchange, Rebecca goes into Sam's office now. Woody tries to delicately break to her. Oh, yeah, Sam's in his office, your office, the o- There he is. Go find him, basically. <laughs> she cries in the office after having to knock on the door, which I'd understand would be quite the moment because that's when it would hit home, I think. Yeah, and I, I think it's a hard moment for Rebecca and she breaks down crying a bit and is a bit unconsolable at that point. Yes, no, it's true. He tries to comfort her, fails, she leaves, and we realise that Sam's technical skills are terrible. (laughs) Yeah, he's not good with the old reports, is he? No. I mean, he managed to make up a report for Evan Drake near the end of last season, but for some reason, he can't figure out how to use a computer. (laughs) Uh, Including using the handle of a tennis racket to play Donkey Kong. He has a a way about it, but he's up against it because uh, Stone really wants the reports and Sam's struggling to to maintain this, really. The reason why they reinstated Sam was because the bar was better or more successful under his management. But I think it's very different. And I think that's one thing which sort of comes to light as a theme through this episode is sort of corporate America versus sort of independent local businesses. Yes, and I'd extend that even further. Not just independent local businesses, but the very much homegrown family aspect of local Mm. businesses, where Sam, for the sake of argument, represents the kind of old America in terms of grassroots almost, Mm. whereas whereas Rebecca's the new corporate type. And perhaps that's why, under Sam's management, it was more successful, because both the staff and the customers got on better with Sam because he is more personable than Rebecca. And I think there's a quite a poignant quote in this, which is, he says, it's not like it used to be around here, Carla. I mean, corporations, computers, reports, 
I mean, I used to keep track of the inventory in a spiral notebook. And Carla says, no, you didn't. He went, well, I always meant to. And it's kind of that idea of like before, he only really needed to answer to himself. And he kind of just needed to keep track of income and outcome. Yeah, that's it. Um, had a rough idea of when they were low on vermouth, for example. Mm. Yeah. He's not really built for this corporate world. We saw it kind of a little bit last season in uh, Sam in the grey flannel suit, where he didn't really know what to do with, with reports and speaking to corporate above and all, all these kind of different, the facade you kind of have to put on a little bit. Oh, I hate the facade. And that's where Rebecca kind of thrives in her role. She, well, I, I say that she does sort of crumble in, in front of some people, but... But she loves the facade, John. She, she can't get enough of the facade. But Sam comes to the uh, ultimate decision that he feels like he can't continue in the role, talks to Stern to ask that Rebecca's reinstated as manager, to which Carla suggests you should milk this opportunity. But Sam doesn't realise this. For all of whatever, you know, management knowledge Sam has, for some reason he's lost his knack with the women, it seems. He's lost his mojo, that's the word. (laughs) I'd say, uh, considering the beginning of the episode, he was very persistent. Yeah. I think he, you know, and Rebecca was saying, I don't want to ruin our friendship. Seeing her in a time of need, his focus was kind of on giving her kind of the job that she deserves, you know? She was doing a good job. The, the company was getting better. And I don't think he likes to see her down and out. And that, I think, it was, was his first priority. Carla gave him a second priority, which I think he, uh, he uh, prioritized himself pretty quickly. Yeah, he went, well, she's got the job as soon as I tell her, so... So he invites her out to dinner. To have the date that they had originally planned. Up in Melville's. Is this the first time we've seen Melville's from the inside? I believe it is. Yeah, looks nice. I'll go there. I'd go there. And before, when Sam's arranging the date, he asks Woody to set up, reserve the table, uh, ask for their best chilled champagne, and also their chocolate souffles for dessert, which sound particularly good, James. They sound good, but does it go with seafood? I don't know. I think chocolate, you know, if you're finishing a meal, the chocolate souffle, that, that will end well, I think. Oh, yeah. and the, the chocolate souffle, as we'll learn, has quite the prep, quite <laughs> the preparation involved, I think. So you could well, tell it's exquisite. It's not just a microwave job. <laughs> but he sets up quite a romantic dinner for himself and Rebecca. It seems to be going quite well. It does, yeah. They seem to be enjoying themselves. They're flirting. They get close together. Rebecca's quite taken aback. She says it's one of the nicest things that anyone's ever done for her. Sam sort of gesture to give up his managerial role to allow her to come back to Cheers. And she says she's seeing a sort of a new light to him, which Sam's lapping up, to be fair. He's playing off her admiration and a bit phony with it. Yeah, he's milking that opportunity for all it has, really. It all seems to be going quite well until Mrs. Stone arrives at Malville's as well and Rebecca goes to greet him. Yes, and that does not go well. He initially thinks that she is the uh, maitre d'. Even though they've met. (laughs) I don't like this stone man. Well, uh, she says that she's not, and he says, kind of a a good to have you back. I'm glad you were right with the the terms and conditions of your reinstatement. She hasn't heard about these terms and conditions, James. There's terms and conditions. Always read the small print, Rebecca, even if it's verbal. (laughs) How do you read? Do you mean whispers? Listen, it's not for whispers. <laughs> That's what it is. The verbal small print is Sam going. <laughs> There's a slight confrontation between her and Sam back at the, the dining table. He lists what those conditions are. And I think we'll play the audio clip. Well, uh, you have to take a slight 
pay cut and go back to school for your MBA and share the office with me. Consult with me on all major decisions, and since you lack any practical experience, you'll have to wait tables when the bar is busy, which will put you under the immediate supervision of Carla. <laughs> any wonder it slipped my mind? I think Rebecca has a moment of thought and then decides on what she's going to do. And she decides that she's going to say that she's grateful for the job and, you know, she's got a lot to be happy about. Inside, she's forming a plan, James. Oh, she is forming a plan. (laughs) Hmm. Got a pun. We'll wait until um, a little later. You jump in when you're ready for it. Yeah. (laughs) She starts to uh, play with Sam's emotions a bit. And uh, she starts to, you know, it was a situation where Sam felt he was in control and he knew what was happening. And she kind of takes advantage of that and stirs something within Sam, I'd say. Yes, very very (laughs) much so. Uh, um, She's very flirtatious with him. Very flirtatious, whispers things in his ear. Illegal things. Rebecca whispers something in his ear. We don't know the full details. All we know is that it is a multi-stage plan involving a hot tub and has one part which is slightly illegal. After this, of which Sam gets more excited, Rebecca leaves him at the table because she has found herself, after talking to Evan Stone and after this plan with Sam, she has found herself between a rock and a hard place. That was that was well written there, James. I can only applaud. <laughs> wow. That was, yeah. How long did it take you to come up with that? 20 seconds, maybe. Oh, just at the moment. Sam is aroused, to say the least, and uh, Rebecca quickly leaves the table and tells Sam to come. He says he'll be right there with her. Uh, <laughs> no, then, you won't. And then orders a, uh, a souffle, which takes 45 minutes to prepare. And it's a great exchange where the, the waiter goes, Mr. Bernone, are you aware this will take 45 minutes? And he goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alongside that, we see Rebecca going down the stairs of Malva's into Cheers, where she has a great exchange with Woody. She says, Woody, Sam's going to be upstairs for a while. when he comes down give him this message you tell him that'll be a cold day in hell before i ever share an office with him or schlep drinks in a two-bit saloon to which woody replies oh we got a message about a mercedes that you need to pick up and we find out rebecca has bought a mercedes we realize that through this season she's going to be trapped at cheers a bit yeah don't count your eggs before they've hatched rebecca that's a that's an eastery thing i guess (laughs) It's coming up to Easter. Why not? It sets up a season where Rebecca's going to face a lot more hardship, I guess. A lot more. She had struggles in the last season, but they're going to be different struggles. And her and Sam will have to share this management role because she says to Woody, forget the message. And then she goes and takes her drinks order from someone. With them sharing a management role, it almost becomes very akin to Dick Van Dyke, you know. Uh, you can imagine them standing back to back and just oh, shaking their head and tutting at each other and be like, they share management, but they don't <laughs> share ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking for the uh, the episode where they have to divide the uh, desk and the office. Yeah, tape. <laughs> Straight down the middle, Yeah. <laughs> I think you get some office office elements in there. You could see Sam putting Rebecca's stuff in Jello. <laughs> Stapler. Woody, what? He put my stuff in Jello again. <laughs> you know, we had that back in Hanover. 
But it, it kind of uh, shows this. Rebecca's been sort of now trapped by her eyes for management and the lifestyle that she wanted with a Mercedes. And now she's got a Mercedes she needs to pay off and now has to work a job, which kind of undermines all of the training she's had before and sort of devalues maybe some of the self-worth she had. I'd agree. Tough luck for Rebecca, but with her and Sam on equal footing, do you say it's rife for strife and farce? Yeah, it definitely sets up an interesting season, so I'm looking forward to what's ahead, James. We've talked about a lot of uh, guest cast, mainly Mr. Stone, I believe, but who's in this episode, James? We've got Brian Bedford as Greg Stone. He also appeared in Miracle in Soho, Sir Francis Drake, The Holy Terror, Robin Hood, Murder, She Wrote, The Equalizer, Alfred Hitchcock Presents, Nixon. That's not all one title, by the way. <laughs> a Christmas Carol, the musical, uh, which I think Cosi Grammer was in, wasn't he? Mm. And Black Jesus, and many more. Peter Schreiner as Pete, Al Rosen as Al, Robert Peskovitz as Paul, who's the waiter up at Melville's. Is this the one which there have been a few jokes about in the past? Oh, it sounds like it could be. Yeah. He also appeared in L.A. Law, Dynasty, Hunter, Family of Spies, Angel, NYPD Blue, Mike and Molly, Grimm, and many others. Tim Cunningham as Tim, and Philip Perlman as Phil. That's a nice bunch of people. With that, I guess, I guess we just have to wait for trivia now. Oh, look, it's here. <laughs> As if by magic. <laughs> right on time. We've also got a nice little, nice little Easter parcel here, John. Should we open that? May I go on? What's in there, James? I'll untie the bow. There we go. See, it's taken a while. <laughs> <laughs> Acting. <laughs> oh, we've got a nice little Easter egg, which I shall munch on. But inside this Easter egg is a, is a snow globe. What could that mean, John? I, I think it might be the Westfield Universe snow globe, James. Little old Tommy Westfield. Oh, yeah, there's a hospital inside the snow globe. Well, you know what that means? It means that we're going to be talking about the season three finale of St. Elsewhere as a bonus episode in which the doctors at St. Eligius visit Cheers. If you're interested in listening to that, check out our patron. It's going to be worth it. It's definitely a weird moment for Cheers, but it was an interesting chat and we had a good podcast discussion about that one. It's a weird crossover because I bet you're thinking, how does a medical drama fit in with Cheers? And uh, <laughs> it's a good question. I'll give you that. But here's a pile of letters. Straight from the Easter Bunny, Clifford Clavin himself. As usual, before we open our letters, we have to give a shout out to our norms on Patreon. So this goes out to Treb Curry. If you want that special norm treatment, then check out our Patreon page for that and so much more. Speaking of Clifford Clavin, James, I've got a quickfire question for you. You mentioned earlier that Carlos sent Cliff off to write 60,000 words for his book. How long does it take to write 60,000 words? According to Google. So it would be to do with average typing speed? I've, I've got typing and handwriting. I can prepare. Oh, uh, uh, 10 hours? 25 hours typing. And uh, Cliff will obviously be writing by hand. So that takes on average 50 hours. She really did get rid of Cliff for a while. Uh, I mean, I was wrong. But I don't feel I was drastically wrong. <laughs> I, was, I was in the double figures. So I was, I'll take that. You were going for yeah. sort of the half a day mark. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> She's got rid of him for a, quite a while. They won't see Cliff for days. <laughs> what 
little-known fact prompts Carla to encourage Cliff to write. It is something about, is it Christopher Columbus and him sailing? It is, yes. I can't remember the actual fact, though. It was that your boy Chrissy C was just, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Uh, it was that your boy, uh, say it again, it was that your boy Christopher C was just popping to the shops and he, he took a wrong turn at Langerhans, got lost and discovered America, as you do. <laughs> I mean, I think that's worthy of a 60,000 word story. Yeah, I mean, I like I like how Bugs Bunny it was, you know, just the oh, I took a wrong turn at Albuquerque type thing. <laughs> I tell you what, James, I've got a question for you. When uh, Sam is asking Woody to make the reservation upstairs at Malville's, Woody says, that sounds delicious, sounds great, but I've got my lunch already, and holds up an ungodly greasy bag. It's like a brown bag, but what does Woody have for lunch, which could s- produce so much grease? It's not a meatball sub, is it? It is a meatball sandwich, yeah, meatball sub. Did you did you like clock that that bag? I ignore the grease. Uh, it caught my eye. <laughs> I was like, just, just in general. <laughs> I thought that looks insane, but but I'll tell you what, a meatball sub is a messy sandwich. It is. It could be. It might not be grease. It could just be. You can't walk and eat with a meatball sub. <laughs> many men have tried, and many men have failed. Another question here. What three reasons does Rebecca give for agreeing to go on a date with Sam? It's kind of that her, her standards have lowered. Uh, is one of them that she's got nothing better to do? Yeah, essentially. That's the summary, yeah. I feel like the, the last one could be, maybe it will shut Sam up. No, it's uh, expectations have been lowered, stove is on the blink and there's nothing on TV. Ah, uh, knocks Sam confidence a bit, but I'm glad it did. There's a few conditions that Rebecca has before uh, she re-signs her contract. Can you remember any of those conditions, James? She has to go back to study her MBA, mm-hmm. share office with Sam, including consulting him on major decisions. She has to wait because she goes to a table to, to wait tables at the end. Through that, she'd be Carla's underling. That, that's all of them, James. You got, you got all of them. I think the one that really hit her was that waiting the tables will put her directly under Carla's supervision. And that's the thing that she couldn't stand. Sam ordered a souffle and he got his souffle. But what is his favourite dessert? Oh, it is a frozen Snickers bar. And it's in the champagne bucket. I'm, I'm tempted to try one of them, James. Frozen Snickers bar? Yeah, I might put one in the freezer. I think it would just be like an slightly old cake, which isn't a bad thing. I, I think the nougat would go like rock solid if you froze it. It would be like a magnum, wouldn't it? I don't know. Uh, nougat would be much denser than ice cream. You know, Milky Way, the kind of know, coconut type thing. Quite soft. Take them out the fridge. Or you could take someone's eye out. <laughs> you shouldn't, but you could. When Sam's talking to Carla about how things are all changing and computers are now in place, what folklore figure does Carla talk about? Oh, I didn't realise it was folklore. I thought it was just Carla making things up. But it was a guy who had issue with something like a weighing machine, was it? So it's John Henry, who in sort of American folklore, he's a bit of an American folklore hero, and he was a steel driving man. I don't know why I did a sort of accent with that. Uh, Uh, No, no, continue. (laughs) Do do the whole anecdote with with that accent. But uh, he essentially went up against... In legend, he, he went up against the man. He had a he had, well, he went up against a machine, and he had a, a a race against a steam-powered rock drilling machine, which he won. And that was Carla's point made. 
Sam kind of undercut her point by pointing out the fact that John Henry died of a heart attack after winning that race because he had pushed his body too far. Yeah, that'll do it. I thought that was quite an interesting thing to bring up in this kind of Sam's talking about how things are changing, corporations are coming in, they own the bar, and he can't really uh, fight it, you know? Chooses more machine than man now. <laughs> Where, where's the heart gone in cheers? It's, <laughs> <laughs> and Sam loves Star Wars, so... Picturing like a 2001 a Space Odyssey, the little there. Uh, Android on the wall. I'm sorry, Sam. I'm afraid we can't do that. <laughs> That's what I'm buying for this season. <laughs> I thought it was interesting that they brought up that that figure of folklore in John Henry. Maybe Sam being pushed to the edge through this sort of corporate America, pushing him to work harder. Might be interesting. The same, same with them pushing Rebecca as well. Well, that's the last call at the bar, though, James. So we've got to pick a drink or something to order for our house special. A frozen Snickers bar. (laughs) (laughs) I said that like it was a character on Sesame Street. But yes, frozen Snickers bar. (laughs) Yep, we've got uh, Count Dracula in the the house. Uh, uh, One frozen Snickers bar. (laughs) Well, yeah, I'll go for that. I think I'd rather that than the the 45-minute wait on the chocolate souffle. So we'll go for the frozen Snickers bar. And I think... Toast the beginning of what looks like it will be a a really nice season, James. I think this is the start of a beautiful friendship. (laughs) It took us six seasons reviewed. Maybe we can turn this into a friendship. Maybe. (laughs) Sam and Rebecca. Oh, okay, okay. That that makes sense. (laughs) John, we've spent many hours talking about cheers, and uh, I think after this season, we might regard ourselves as friends. (laughs) You passed your... Probation, John. (laughs) This could be the start of a beautiful friendship. (laughs) We'll always have cheers, John. (laughs) That, with that note, I look forward to uh, recording this this next season, James. I hope hope you, the listeners, are looking forward to it as well. Thank you for listening to Where Nobody Knows Your Name Cheers podcast.